Sex for smart people. As you heard today, we have not one but two wonderful guests with us. Woo. And was going to be three, but Kate Zen couldn't join us at the last moment, but we hope that she can join us another time. On today's episode, the second ever all quickies all the time episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we are going to start by introducing you to our gorgeous guests. And then to they're 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 looking at each other all all, all <laughs> fancy. We are gorgeous. I just realized how pretty <laughs> oh. we are. Ooh. And oh. then we're gonna do three rounds of quickies where we have twelve minutes for each of the four of us to throw down with a quickie and we share the time between us. And um, we then after that, we're going to do at least one lightning round where we just take a couple minutes to share a ver- the quickest quickie ever. And we can flag Penis. things as we go along to, um, what did you say? Penis? Quickest quickie. Quickest quickie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. I thought you were instigating the penis game where we each oh, have to say it louder than the other one. Such a boring game because we would just get so loud. Right. It wouldn't but be it, a problem, really. That's true. Maybe, maybe we'll play that at the end. But um, we can flag anything as we go along that we want to talk about in more depth. And then at the end, we may do that. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, stick around for an interview between me and Charlie Williams, the founder develop- and developer of the Cuddler app, which is the new mm. app for cuddling. It's like Tinder or Grinder, but for cuddling. And Charlie and I knew each other in high school, and wow. he developed this, and it was really cool. So that interview will be at the very end. So going to be a good one. And now for introductions, as you probably know already, I'm Stephanie, and my preferred pronouns are she or they. I'm Dave, and my preferred pronoun is he. I'm Emma, and my preferred pronoun is she, and that's the first time I've ever introduced myself that way. Woo-hoo. I'm Francisco, and my pronoun is he. Great. Who the hell are you? <laughs> um, well, I'm Emma again. This is my voice. This is what I sound like. Um, I'm a writer and performer, comedian, and I write uh, essays about all kinds of things, but a lot of essays about um, growing up with two moms who are lesbian moms. <laughs> That's why there's two moms. And um, and that has brought me into exploring what it means to be straight-ish in a radical and exciting way. After writing about that, I was like thinking about that. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. Yay. Your writing is awesome, by the way. I and agree. so is yours. Aww. And that's the best intro bio that I've ever heard. That's amazing. <laughs> um, also, wait, really quick. I have to say I'm so happy to be back. I was Yay. thinking about this, like getting ready here. You, I, I was listening to some of your episodes earlier. You two are like some of the most fantastic communicators that I like know. Like you are models, mm. like role models for how to like communicate really difficult concepts. So I just need to shout that out. Oh my God, Francisco, um, I totally don't take that lightly. <laughs> you are please. one of my heroes as They're well. And, and those of you who don't know, Francisco was with us on episode 16, which is totally one Why of my Why don't you know? Go listen to it. It's, it's really fun. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, who, are, who are you, Francisco, for those who don't know? My name is Francisco Ramirez and I work in sexual health and sexuality. Uh, I am a consultant at the United Nations for about 10 years and uh, work all over in TV, MTV, different places on all things kind of sex and media and 
even a game, we recorded a game show this summer, mm-hmm. um, did all sorts of fun things. So, uh, yeah, when oh, I do free advice, that's a lot of my work as well. Um, so I put out a chair that says free advice, relationships, like in Union Square, in right? Union Square, Washington Square, any street, wherever it is. And people just line up and we have conversations about whatever's on their mind. So that's where I pull a lot of my kind of education from, actually, even though I have you know, the other other sort of educational background. But the biggest, most important is what I learned on the streets. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. Yay. And I think we should do our first toast of oh, the episode. Please. Absolutely. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Round one, quickies. Woo! Yeah! Take it away, Emma. All right, so today I want to talk about making time for sex and all of the accoutrement mm. that accompanies sex. Accoutrement, if you don't know, is a French word that means <laughs> things that go with sex. So um, that's what I'm In talking. French, it's called accoutrements. Yes, in French they pronounce it that way. That's true. It's a, much, it's a very unsexy language. So, um, where was I? Oh, yes. So, the idea of making time for sex. So, I'm kind of taking that from well, I started thinking about it with like Shabbat, which is the Jewish idea of just chilling the fuck out just like a day a week. I don't do that. I don't know anyone who does. And also, speaking of Judaism, this is the most holy day of the Jewish year. It's Yom Kippur. And I'm like hanging out, talking about sex and having wine. So, I'm not really observing it. So, you can take whatever I say about Judaism with a grain of salt. But the idea of Shabbat. Kosher salt. Kosher, thank you. You're welcome. Just <laughs> I want to make sure. With a grain of kosher salt. With a grain of kosher salt. But the idea of um, taking time away from your life is, is what I'm taking in my Reformed Jewish way of looking at things. That's what I want to borrow. And on Shabbat, you are, in fact, supposed to have sex. It's a mitzvah. That's a thing you're supposed to do. So, cool. Like, that's not too hard. But one of the things I've noticed in my various hookups is that people be on their phones. I mean, obviously, it's amazing. Their minds are blown. Then it's over. And then they're on their phones. I do not like that. I am always on my phone. But you should just take a damn moment. And it's part of a larger, you know, infrastructure problem of the whole world that we're in. But I don't I don't like that it's bleeding into sexy time. And I think, um, so I've had this revelation that that bothers me. And I started to think, well, I want to have a, a, a sex life that really is peaceful and, and mm. is separate mm. from the rest of my life. Mm. And that led me to being like, okay, what can I do about that? And I started talking to Stephanie, doing some coaching there. And um, the idea of just putting some time and money into my sex life and thinking mm. about that uh, was like a huge stand in that direction of like, I'm going to be the change I want to see here. Um and, you know, so recently, um, so I just had this threesome and it was really cool. And I spent a lot of time preparing and money as well, you know, like, like waxing. Cause that's a decision that I made. Um, and like lingerie, which costs money and like, um, just, you know, like my nails and all the things. And, and I felt great about it. I didn't feel the way I used to feel of like, this is stupid. And why am I doing this? I felt like, no, this is my hobby. This Mm. is a thing. It's the only thing I do. That's not my career and all those things. And I'm proud of this. And that's been a whole shift. And I wanted to share that because, um, why shouldn't it be? And I realized the only reason this wasn't always my hobby is because of stigma. The only Mm. reason I didn't realize that these things weren't just, this has always been my hobby, but I've been fighting it. Mm. I don't really watch TV. A lot of people have their favorite TV shows. Why don't I get a fucking hobby? (laughs) And why shouldn't it be the funnest thing that exists for humans? So that's where I'm at. So I wanted to share that. Rock on. Cheers. Cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers to all of you. I love my friend Amy Jo Goddard says, um, has this great post on sexuality is not a luxury, Mm. which I think that really That is exactly right. I love that. Right. 
Yeah. It's not a luxury. But I think it can be, I mean, I think all of us, I mean, outside of sex, our attitude about taking time off in general as a culture. I mean, I, I'm speaking from like mm-hmm. a New York perspective and, um, you know, you, you just feel like you got to be high achieving and go, go, going all the time. And it definitely extends into your sex life. Mm-hmm. A lot of people unwind with a book. Like, I don't care to do that, but nope. <laughs> you got to unwind somehow. So this is how I've chosen to do that. Cheers. Awesome. Um, uh, it's hard. It's hard. To, it's really hard to follow the the. I've 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 been uh. I'm I'm getting groovy to 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 get groovy. That's a really good quickie. What? Wanna, oh yeah. Wanna, um. Well done. Oh well, thanks. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um. I'd like to. Um. Uh. See, I was going to start with something that was kind of depressing, but now I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go with one that I think is a little bit more joyful i trust your judgment yeah which is um that uh the astronaut chris hadfield uh recently and i I saw this uh posted by radio lab um was was doing a cbc question and question answer period and somebody emailed in um hello commander hadfield for the past year and a half my five-year-old son goes to bed worried sometimes in tears he is worried about the voyager interstellar spacecraft the fact that it's out there all by itself, he wants it to come home to be safe. What do we tell him? Oh. So Chris Hadfield actually called this kid and talked him through it. And it's just such a, it was a, a lesson to me as well. I really needed to hear it. But one of the things he said when, when uh, the kid asked, you know, what happens if it, what happens if Voyager breaks and no one's there to fix it? And mm. uh, Hadfield said, it's been going for a long, long time, almost my whole life. It's a very tough little spaceship and it knows what it's doing. And it's not worried about breaking down and having somebody fixing it. It's worried about exploring. The purpose of exploring is not to worry about being maybe breaking down and being fixed. The purpose of exploring is finding new things and discovering and then telling people what you saw. And that's what Voyager is doing. It's loving life. It might have been safer for it to just stay home and stay inside a building, but then it would have been sad forever because it never would have done its purpose. It never would have discovered things. It's all a wonderful story of great discovery and success, and it couldn't have happened if Voyager hadn't been brave. Oh, wow. I know. That makes and, me want to do anal. <laughs> <laughs> but sort of, yeah, sort of. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, I feel like a, a lot of the time I govern my my choices or my ideas or my actions out of fear, and I realize it's totally anthropomorphizing um, uh, a saddle a satellite. But yo, that I think that that's true. If you're Voyager or if you're existing as a human being today, which is that, yes, it would be safer to stay home and hide. And mm. that's nowhere near as interesting or as beautiful or as cool as what you could be doing. Mm. So make your decisions based out of love, not out of fear. Thank you. Oh. Thank you, Voyager, yes. Thank wherever you, you are. Voyager. Oh, oh Dave. Oh, it's my turn. And I, last time, some of you know presented or tortured you with oh, Jesus. the nine Dallas <laughs> thrusts. <laughs> Did they invent a tenth one since then? <laughs> no, but I do have ten of something. Um, this is <laughs> um, kind of in the spirit of that. Um, I am so annoyed by like all those lists of like all these things that will make you great in bed. Like the list that Cosmo has that like who knows, like maybe some of them have truth to them, but it's basically just clickbait. 
I love this woman, Stoya, who is, um, she's a star in the adult film industry. And she also did the first video of hysterical literature, which if you have not seen Google now, it's probably the hottest thing. It's probably the hottest thing. It's, it's, um, women, uh, reading at a table and someone's using a Hitachi magic wand on their clip beneath the table and they try to keep it together and keep reading. Um, (laughs) but, uh, and inevitably come and it's really gorgeous. But anyhow, Stoya did the first one of that. And Stoya just came out with this like snarky, like clickbait that's like undermining clickbait 10 mind-blowing <laughs> sex tips by Stoya okay. so some of these I really dig and some of them don't do anything for me but I want to share them with you the first one I really dig number one put an Altoid in your mouth now spit it out and stop <laughs> trying to hack communication with gimmicks and props <laughs> number two always assume your public groping is far less subtle than you think it is <laughs> number three This is my favorite, favorite. Drive men and women and people who identify as gender neutral absolutely wild by paying attention to them and what they're enjoying. Like they're an individual you are attracted to. Yay! (laughs) Uh, Perfect. Or think of your partner's genitals as genitals. They are not tennis balls, flowers, butterflies, or meat. Five. (laughs) I like this one too. Sext each other like the NSA is watching and you want to put on a fantastic show. Who has done this? (laughs) I sure have. Um, Number six, mixing food with sex can be fun. It can also cause a yeast infection. Weigh the risks. That's a great great point. (laughs) Number seven, trying too hard is really sexy. So make sure to devote two hours a week to memorizing and practicing complex new sexual routines. (laughs) Which like... Honestly, I can't tell if that's snarky or earnest. This whole thing is riding in between. Like, right. I, yeah. I do think that like putting effort into sex, as you said, is really sexy. Yeah. Um, but um, number eight, if you feel like your partner is losing interest or hiding things from you, skip the cyber stalking and douse yourself carry style in chocolate syrup. <laughs> number nine, remember that testicles, earlobes, labia, and eyelids are delicate. If you're going to yank, bite, pull, or abuse any of these body parts with a fork, please proceed with caution and talk about it first (laughs) and number 10 which takes the cake and is really like what i'm all about is there's a difference between having sex with your partner and having sex at them do the first one (laughs) thank you stoya for that anti-clickbait clickbait awesome um so uh, my quickie was stolen by Emma, but in a very consensual, fabulous way. Um, yeah. So I'm all about like making time for sex. And what I want to just sound off on is actually, how do you make that actually happen? If you're somebody who's like running around bananas, super busy. So what I decided, this was actually uh, brought on by some new sheets that I got. I was, I was basically, here's, here's what happened. Basically, I realized that I talk about sex 24-7 and I never have it, essentially. I mean, solo, absolutely, yes. But like, (laughs) partnered, rarely, because I'm so busy. So I was like, how do I turn this around? And I was like, I've got to get new sheets. Well, new sheets turned into like, new comforter, new pillows, because everybody needs great pillows during sex, etc. Erotica for for the walls, yada, yada, yada. Lighting for the erotica, everything happened. (laughs) And then I was like, but I'm still not having sex. What's wrong? Uh. So all this is this is like my plea to the to the busy people of the world and, and audience here is to make a Google calendar that is specific 
for sex. So I can actually show the people in this room and maybe tweet like a, you know, blurred out image of like what it sort of looks like. But actually, I have a Google Calendar that I send invites to people so they know it's time. <laughs> it's like it's Genius. Friday at like 8.15, which I think is a fantastic time to have sex because you could have had dinner. You could still have dinner at 10 o'clock, whatever. Um, and then and you've got time to stick it in, if you will, and, uh, and go about your day. Um, and that's what's working for me these days. Google Calendar my shit and, and put it on the calendar. If it gets on the calendar... It gets done. <laughs> Boom. Wow. Cheers. That's great. Way to, way to prioritize. <laughs> you got spreadsheets rocking that I learned from last time. You sure. got Google calendars. Yeah. The NSA is watching. Yeah. Have fun. Yes. Yeah. Make technology yeah. make tech work for you. That's what oh, I'm yeah. saying. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then you can program in all the action items, the small little bite-sized action ah. items that are going to lead up. So like, like you know, like I got tested Monday. Tuesday was the oh. waxing. Wednesday was the manicure. And then Thursday was sure. the reason. you got to, and things have to go in a certain order. And you got to get all those things done by Thursday. Uh-huh. <gasps> Oh, Calend- man. I use a paper calendar, but oh, I okay. but I but I'm familiar with Google <laughs> and its and its various options that it affords. Oh my gosh, we got to collaborate on this. That resonates with me in terms of like this is like not just an afterthought. This is like a part of my aliveness. But something I just want to throw in, like, is that I feel like um, having that that also. I champion totally doing that, setting aside time for sex, but also <gasps> times up for this <gasps> round. Also um, having. Um, just uh, thinking of yourself as a sexual being like integrated into the rest of mm. your life too. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, I don't, I don't think that that's what you're saying, but I want to clarify like. Totes. Yeah. No, I feel like that's what mm-hmm. he's saying. You're saying, I mean, you calendar other things. Why doesn't this merit a spot yeah. on the yeah. calendar? I calendar everything as a matter of fact. So it was, it was overdue to, uh, to make a specific sex Google calendar. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cheers to that. Yeah. Hey, hey round Cheers one. Round one. <laughs> Round two. Pew, pew, pew. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it, keeps, it keeps going. Uh, <laughs> More lasers. Pew, 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 pew. Oh my okay. goodness. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm going to dive in here. Um, yep. With a thing that's going to, it starts off with something that sounds like I'm mocking it because it is a ridiculous thing, but I will end with posing a serious question. Mm. So most of you probably heard about the Pastor Mark Driscoll debacle and calling women penis homes. Sorry? Um, so I'm going to read an excerpt from something that passed this uh, pastor of a mega church in Seattle wrote in 2001, but it just came out that he said it recently. Oh, yeah. boy. And I then need, I have some thoughts on this. I need a drink just to deal with this in advance. Thank you. Okay, so uh, this, is, this is what he said in all seriousness. Um, the first thing to know about your penis is that despite the way it may seem, it is not your penis. Ultimately, God created you and it is his penis. You are simply borrowing it for a while. While capital H, his penis is on loan, you must admit that it is sort of just hanging out there very lonely as if it needed a home, sort of like a man wandering the streets looking for a house to live in. Knowing that his penis would need a home, God created a woman to be your wife. And when you marry her and look down, you will notice that your wife is shaped differently than you and makes a very nice home. Is this real? This is real. Therefore, if you are single, you must remember that your penis is homeless and needs a home. But though you Uh, may believe your hand is shaped like a home, it is not. (laughs) And though women other than your wife may look like a home, to rest there would be breaking into another man's house. What? No! 
way. And if you look at a man, it is quite obvious that what a homeless man does not need is another man without a home. Oh, no. So yes, yes, yes. Totally, yes, yes. Grown-worthy, absurd, ridiculous. Absolutely. Like, like I think a lot of people, and, and he has since, because of this and another uh, big, like, financial catastrophe uh he has stepped down as pastor but this has been like a thriving mega church with like lots and lots of people going and so obviously this you know thinking of women as like somebody's future wife not you know that's like it is it's atrocious but also part of me thinks that he just kind of like lays bare what a lot of people actually think mm. but he's just saying it mm. out there mm-hmm. and that's part of my point is that I actually think is like when I was growing up super Christian and like I got such great things from that upbringing too like my commitment to community and compassion and mm. like there were wonderful wonderful things about my religious upbringing but mm. in terms of like the sexual shame stuff I absolutely you know I prayed for my future husband every single night I you know in talking about you know how um even feeling arousal is a thing to um to let go of and and how like thinking of like women as future husbands for men as like totally denying queerness but also amplifying misogyny like that that's so prevalent in all of culture and I think that so so why I read this like yes it's like important for this to be like called out as like that is ridiculous but dear listeners I am I think I'm more passionate than anything about how do we create on ramps to like real dialogue about this. It's easy to write this guy off. And I do, I think it's important to like call it off as ridiculous and and absurd. But like, if you were given the chance to like have a conversation with him or anybody who thinks like him, which I actually think is a lot of people, they just don't say it outright. Mm -hmm. Um, I think about like, I had got to have a conversation about systemic racial oppression recently with a, a family member who I love a lot and who's like really kind, but just like doesn't really see that like white privilege is a thing. And so we started talking about like pantyhose and band-aids being nude colored as in like beige colored and how that, you know, there are a lot of people who feel invisible by that because their nude is not beige. And, right. and so like, like that's, that to me is like a great example about how to just like have just like a, an, an, an open welcoming, like, beginning of a conversation that like this this family member that I was talking to was like oh my god I've never seen it that way before when it comes to things like misogyny rape culture patriarchy and and these attitudes that are I think unfortunately like more prevalent than a lot of people would like to admit and Mark Driscoll just happened to say them in like a totally absurd um over the top way like I honestly struggle with like where to even begin? Where do we start these conversations? I think it might be more important than anything. And I would like to like pose a poll to the listeners if you have ideas about this. And um, I would love to keep talking about this as we go. Well, let's flag this. Can we yes. come? I, I have yes, so we much can come to back to this. And I already a, took more than my time. As a matter of, and I'm glad you did. As a matter of fact, this leads perfectly into what I wanted to talk about, mm. which is calling shit out. Uh, so... What I mean by that is like, you know, I'm a person, I live in New York, I've been here for 10 years and uh, it's, we see all kinds of stuff going, you know, in front of our faces all the time. And sometimes we think, oh, that's wacky or maybe we should say something, but a lot of times we don't. And I'm certainly guilty of that. Um, But what I've been trying for the last, I don't know, year or so is to just speak the fuck up when something is absolutely wrong immediately. And I Mm. have an example. Uh... I live on a really quiet street in the village. It's the kind of street that people come on all the time to 
either make out, piss, uh, throw up, um, get into fights, and certainly like break up. Why not all four or five? <laughs> well, you know, I've seen a lot of things, as a matter of fact. Um, and, uh, and a lot of times when people wake me up in the middle of the night or whatever time it is, um, I just, I, you know, I shut the window or I'm like, oh, like, oh, can you like be quiet? But then I started like listening just out of kind of curiosity. And I heard a lot of, I mean, I was just privy to these conversations because they're right there, like, you know, four or so floors below me. And I was just like overhearing all these like really horrible things that people would say to each other during their public sort of breakups and stuff. And I, I don't know if this is wrong or right. This is an interesting, maybe we'll flag this as well. But I started fucking intervening. <laughs> because I would see people, maybe drunk, maybe not, and like, you know, somebody telling their partner, like, come on, baby, just come with me. And then the partner being like, you know, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And I'd have to hear that for like 10 minutes. And then finally, I would just open my window. I have great windows that open out, like French windows, and uh, or French doors, as it were. And, uh, and I just learned, leaned down, and I'm like, excuse me. Um, if I heard correctly, she already asserted that she was not interested in going home with you. That is what I'm hearing here. I'm here from the fourth floor. So maybe you should actually respect what is being said. And I get really angry and I get really vocal. And it mm. fucking freaks people out because there's all these trees on my street. So it's like the voice of who knows what, like just coming down. Um, and it at least stops people in their tracks. Is it the right thing to do? I don't know. Oh, I definitely want to flag this. Let's come great. back to it That's later. That's great. I just picture you like awesome. Bell, like, yeah. you know, like, exactly. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Right? Respect all your partners. Like, fuck that. Respect That's your partners. We <laughs> have to make a song about that. You have to. That's so silly. Oh, isn't this alarming? <laughs> yeah. Really. For fucking real. We were joking that we're going to start a band instead of doing a podcast today. It's so happening. this still, still may happen. Called Corn Pocket. <laughs> oh, that title. Okay. My turn? Am I doing that? Okay. Yeah. So I want to talk about um, oh, this idea of facts versus feelings. And this relates to stigma again. And, uh, you know. So, okay. Facts versus feelings. What do I mean? So for, uh, just as an example. So like I said, this threesome, this is the only thing I'm thinking about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a big event in my life. So I got waxed, right? And I had the trepidation that you might have. Like, oh, that's expensive. Oh, that's going to hurt. Oh, am I supposed to be a little girl? Three very legitimate concerns. But then I asked my partners. One of them was like, I don't care. The other was like, absolutely. And then I was like, cool, I've always wanted to do this. There's novelty here. That's the whole point of what's happening. Let's do this. So I just got rid of all of the hair that you're supposed to have when you're 28. Just all the hair that's naturally there is just gone. And that was rather shocking, right? But it's been really cool. And I talked in the morning to one of these guys and, and he was like, I know it's wrong, but it really turned me on. And, I, and then I was like, okay, so this is really interesting, right? Because he's like, I don't know if it's the like, like I'm sure the youth thing is part of it, but it's also other things. And I was, and I don't even remember what he said because I got so excited. I guess I wasn't listening. And I was like, well, it's also like vulnerability and you feel everything and it's, it's just crazy. Mm. And that got me thinking, okay, so somebody else, but then it's like unusual for the sort of the liberal like or progressive agenda to be like the the enemy for me because usually that's my home base. So to then be like, oh, well, there's nothing unfeminist. There's nothing wrong if it's, if it's, it's facts. If this lights up my partner's brain, mm-hmm. one or two or who knows, you know, it depends. Okay, maybe the other didn't like it. I don't know. He didn't say. But if it definitely lit up my partner's brain, totally turned him on. And it turned me on, then I don't. Then there's no there's no politics there. 
There's no politics involved. So it's a facts versus feelings thing is what I realized. Like the fact is um, this is hot and uh, I don't have to shave for a while, which is great. And the politics just don't really belong. So that leaves me a little confused. So anyways, the other thing that came up is, you know, these two guys, they're both straight. So that was another thing, facts mm. versus feelings, right? They had, a, I don't even know, and they're close friends. I don't even know sort of what that experience is, but the um, the fact and the feeling of it are different, right? They mm. might have had feelings about like, oh my God, am I gay now? Um, but like that doesn't really, um, but it's like just, a, are you turned on? It's not about what other people are thinking. And I think if we can separate those two things, We'll have a better time. And I was proud of them and myself. <laughs> Cheers to that. Rock on. Um, my second quickie is about something that I saw on 538 via Metafilter, which is um, Stacy Smith uh, has a team of researchers at the Media Diversity and Social Change Initiative at USC's Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism. And they have been compiling uh, data about how women and uh, ethnic minorities are represented in film. And so they looked at the top 100 grossing films from last year and found that of those, 29% of the characters were female. Ah. And mm-hmm. only 28% of the movies had a female lead or co-lead. Mm. That's awful. It's really hard to stomach to the fact that like women make up 51% of the world's population and 29% of the character of of characters, not even lead characters, but just uh, all of the characters, 29% were female. And part of the issue here is that, um, uh, of those hundred top grossing films, 19.6% of the producers were women, 7.4% of the writers were, and only 1.9% of the directors were. Mm. Um, and so I, this is very upsetting, and I and and I and I don't really know what to do about it, other than potentially saying like, if you are or if you are a creator of art, cut that shit out, and maybe we should start like boycotting films that don't pass the Bechdel test, mm-hmm. even on a small level of being like, no, you have to you have to you have to write movies that that accurately that mm-hmm. aren't just I don't I don't even know aren't just men doing men things. There's, there's, there's more important things to make art about. And that's not even widening the conversation to address gender complexity and queerness. That's just saying like, basic, I know like even if you're <laughs> even, even on the bullshit binary, it's mm. fucked up. It's yeah. just this patriarchal shit. Um, and then it's funny people like to look at women. Why wouldn't, you know, why, mm. why wouldn't you want to see women in movies? Well, we do, well, you don't want to hear them talk. Oh, that's oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I see. Maybe they're women to look at, but they're right. not like characters, mm. not speaking. I think that's the. And then when they looked at um, the rub, the diversity of of or how many of those characters were were non-white, it's uh, equally as upsetting. Um, so uh-huh. I don't know. Uh, keep an eye on this. The art that you're taking in, the art that you're watching, the TV and movies that you're watching, just count for yourself and think: is 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 this reflective of the kind of art I want to see being made? Mm. And if it's not, then. Um, Maybe stop watching. I want to toast to that. Cheers. Cheers. Round three. Woohoo!
That's all. Nothing. Nothing additional. I'm not. No sound effects. <laughs> oh, I hated three. them at first, and I missed them. Yeah, I know. Bring them back. What did you learn? <laughs> <laughs> okay, my quickie, my third quickie <laughs> is a uh, callback to a previous quickie I did, where I told you not to read the book Twilight, um, because huh. it's terrible and bad and awful and 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 sexist, misogynistic. Con, uh, control. It's it's a terrible and also really badly written. I mean, that book is the worst, but. The context in which I read it turns out to have been really amazing because I read it as part of a bad book club marginalia swap. So what we did is I read the book and then mailed it to somebody else. And so I took notes in the book in a certain color of ink. And then they made notes, including on the book and then including on my notes and then sent to a third person who riffed on the book and our two notes and to a fourth and a fifth. And then I just got the book back last week with now my notes and four people having then also made notes in the book, including about... So what I have now is a Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of Twilight, and it's amazing. No. And I want, brilliant. I want to give this copy of the book to everybody because it's hilarious. I, I flipped through and laughed aloud on every page just on the notes people were taking. <laughs> That's terrific. Of, about notes about the writing and notes about each other's notes. So um, Here's a fun way to engage. If you feel like something has reached critical mass in pop culture and you feel like in order to be an informed citizen, you need to take part in it um, so that you can, even if the goal is to say why you think it's problematic, which was my goal in reading Twilight, because I've like, okay, it's reached, it's reached this point where that was my goal with reading 50 shades of gray. Yeah. Set up a club of smart people and um, make fun of it in the book, uh, passing it back and forth. And uh, it will make your day because then you will have a copy of uh, what is a really, really awful book um, made wonderful by the comments of other uh, cool and smart people. So uh, so read Twilight if you have four other friends to make fun of it in the margins. Wow. Oh, wow. That's yeah. cool. My That's mind amazing. Is blown. I love that, too, because you can't you have to pass it around. You can't just like that. It shouldn't you mm. shouldn't just scan it. No, and yeah. Have other, you, it has to be, you have to have the original. Yeah. That makes it special. Totally. Can, can I also add on to your quickie? Is that permissible? Do it, do it, okay, do it. I'll do it really fast. Um, uh, you can also do that with erotica. I've heard Rachel Kramer Busel talk mm. about this, where if you want to explore something new with your partner, but you don't know how to sort of communicate it about, about it or whatever, you highlight what turns you on mm. in the book oh, and then you share it to your good... partner. Boom. That's oh my awesome. God, I love that. That's awesome. I love her. Mm-hmm. Rachel Kramer Busel, look yeah. her up. Well, I love erotica, so that's cool. Hey. Yeah, idea. me too. Um, exactly. And it doesn't get stuck on your computer, like, in I know. a way that if you use your computer for work and that, anyways. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, also, it's, also the, it's also the best porn because you can be sure that nobody was exploited because it's just words. <laughs> <laughs> that, yes. You're certain True that, that no one's doing anything against their will. Right. That's a good point. <laughs> um, so my quickie. Okay. So this one uh, doesn't feel sexy to me, but it's always been on my mind. Um, so I wanted to talk about the sort of feeling of vaginas being high maintenance and some of the shame that goes with that. And that's not just about orgasms. That's a separate conversation. I mean, maybe I'll, I'll, I've already touched on it, but I mean, I'm already starting to, I can't help it. But what I really want to talk about is the even less sexy thing of, well, orgasms are sexy. The unsexy thing of like UTIs, yeast infections, bacteria, it sucks, Mm -hmm. but I want to talk about it because I feel bad. And then I feel like I communicate it to a partner who's a man and he's just got his penis and it feels so simple. I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure he has problems and that humans have their issues. But 
the female genitalia, it's inside your body and it's a hole. And while it is regulated by a lot of flora and that's like genius design, it's also really complicated. And then you take birth control, like if you're me, and then that further messes it up. And it just feels stressful. Um, and I just would like, this is, it falls under the rant category. I'd like for gentlemen to really understand, um, that and that 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 it's challenging with the medications that are out there it's hard not to get utis and it requires a lot of group effort and a lot of mm. hand washing and hygiene and stephanie and i talked about eroticizing limitations which like i get I, it doesn't i can't i haven't figured it out oh it's such a joy that emma coaches with me yes <laughs> it so challenges so me because eroticizing limitations I, I i tried to wrap my head around it part of me was just i just want everything to be off like totally on not off limits i want to just feel like i'm falling into this like this ocean that's catching me and I'm just in the waves and there's no, but that's just not how it is with vaginas sometimes. And you simply cannot just have anal and then it can't be in the, you got to use a condom. You got to be washing things. So I get stressed because then I feel like I'm not being easygoing mm. and, um, and this falls into, I don't want to talk too much. Obviously it's another challenge mm. and all the general sort of hetero challenges and like, I'm trying to be radical. You know, my parents are like these role models because they were radical. And here I am just being like straight and it just feels like. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I'll be, I'm working against it. I'll be OK. But one of the challenges of just being and then like I'm blonde and I'm small and I'm trying to capitalize on those things and I'm trying to do all these things. And then it just doesn't work well if you then get chronic UTIs. It just doesn't work. And I'm trying Oof. to figure it out. And I've thought about, you know, I've read up on how to eat and various things. And I've actually got it all. It's all working out. But just the conversation of being like, here's some challenges that I have. You can put me at ease by doing the following hygienic things. And these won't even be problems. Mm. But there's actually fear for me anyways of just even bringing it up. And, and final point, in my sex education, which was actually pretty decent compared to what I hear other people got at Catholic schools and stuff, um, no one talked about it. Mm. So the first time I had sex, I was 21. I had a UTI and a yeast infection, which I diagnosed myself by reading a book. And nobody told me. They spent all this time telling me about AIDS. Nobody said, you're definitely going to get these two incredibly common things. Mm. So mm. I feel that my sex education was based entirely on, like, it was a, a great education compared to what a lot of my friends had or, or had no education. But um, it was based a lot on fear and like extremes, not that people don't have HIV and AIDS, but it was based on the, on that end of the spectrum instead of like, what you will definitely have is this thing. I don't understand why, why would you not educate, tell people what they're mm. definitely going to get right. and then they'll feel empowered. Also mentioned that also just as part of a holistic sex education, in addition to talking about the things that could go, also mentioned that it's going to feel really good. I don't know. <laughs> putting, putting pleasure, pleasure into it. Yeah, like, it does feel like exactly part of the same. Yeah. It's hard to do that. As I used to teach sex ed in schools uh, yeah, for talk many about years. That. And it's, mm. it was, it, that was so hard. to. In fact, I really couldn't do that for all the years that I taught sex ed. Really? Uh, with Planned mm. Parenthood in California. Nope. No. Oh, hi. No, because it's just the message. It's it's very clear that if I start to send that message, then that could get all of us in trouble in terms of. Oh. It's like, and it's like as if if you feel pleasure, then the idea is if you take pleasure in something, then you go have as much of yeah. it as possible, as recklessly as possible. Yeah. Where it's like, or you could just like figure out what you like and yeah. communicate about that and yeah, what works for you. Or if I'm as as the educator, if I'm talking about that, then I'm not doing my job. Um, at all, because my job, sh the, the few hours that I have with you should be completely focused on STIs. It's uh, really frustrating. But the the saving grace is that when people could ask me any question, mm. then I was able to say whatever I wanted. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, now it's my turn to give a quickie. (laughs) Boom, that's how this works. It's Um, so fast. So, okay, so I wanted to talk about um, pubes, but I'm just going to co-sign everything Emma said because it was amazing. I'm just going to go into like a quick rant on like finding out what like works for you and experimenting and Mm. dropping all inhibitions, people. Because like, look... I grew up in California, Northern California, grew up around all sorts of like leather daddies and whatnot. And I was, I never had like a hate or anything. I was just always like, huh, that's interesting. Like why, you know, what's this interest in like leather and hanky coats, yada, yada, yada. I was like, I don't think I'll ever do that ever. Obviously completely wrong. (laughs) Um, Because now I am like mage into puppy play and it's like totally Cheers. my thing thank you very much i don't know what that Nor is do I. Oh, right. so yay puppies you're not ruff, ruff, ruff. um so puppy play is kind of broad it's basically yeah, this is gonna be a horrible definition for all the puppy play like experts on listening but essentially somebody kind of taking the role of a dog um, maybe interacting with another person who could be a dog, who could be a companion of dogs or an owner of dogs. In my case, I own a kennel. Thank you very much. Um, hey. Um, and, and <laughs> you know, there's, I mean, the, the classic, if you sort of Google image puppy play, you will see the classic hood and maybe like a full like leather outfit. But I've actually done a lot of puppy play this year that doesn't involve hoods. In fact, like not at all, but involves certainly playing fetch. Lots of dog bones, lots of innuendos about bones. Um, <laughs> I want to interject that when I yeah. first, before I uh, knew that puppy play is one of the things that I'm into, like I, um, I was like, wait, but I don't sexualize dogs. Like Thank that's you. not, but it's so, uh, for me, I find it's like about the, it's all about the power dynamic. Yes, not absolutely. Not about the like sexualization of animals. And you know what's beautiful for me about it is it's not only just the power, but like I, sort of one of my new, and then I'll end, one of my newer sort of like understanding about my own sexuality is how I can enjoy my sexuality in a non-sexual, traditionally sexual way. So uh, like I had a guy in my bed recently and like I was just like kissing him and he was freaking out and it was amazing. And I was like, this isn't sexual, but it's like the most sexual thing that we've been been doing. And like my relationship with some of my dogs is so nurturing and it's just about that nurturing experience. It's, you know, it's not about like fucking a dog in the ass. It's about like patting him on his head and stroking him when he does and well. And him pleasing you. Yeah. And him wagging his little tail, butt plug thing. You know, like that's what it's about. So end of story. Try something new that you've always thought like, wait, no. Because you might dig. Mm, totally. But yeah. I'll, just, to, just to underline that this has nothing to do with you finding actual dogs attractive. Just as I Absolutely. think... I think probably being into waxed genitals has nothing to do with finding people who haven't grow who who who, who haven't right. puberty attractive. Yeah, I'm glad They're you brought that totally up. Totally separate, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so and and um, and who, who knows who knows about the uh, who knows about the 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 roots of that societally? But on a personal level, I feel like it. it I feel like and people who like are into rape fantasies. They don't, don't actually don't want, want to, to get yeah, raped. This comes Thank back to much. facts versus feelings, right? So there's like what's actually in front of you and then there's like all the feelings that surround it. As long as yeah. things are consensual, I mean, then like you don't have, have to. A- yeah, I think that it's good to consider things in like the broader uh, like social justice framework of it, like to to acknowledge that like well, if the only thing I'm into is women totally without pubes, I need to at least like examine is there something, yeah. in, you know, but, but, but 
just to be into that or to be into rape, rape fantasies does not need to be connected with that. Well, I, I got agree. this tweet once that was like, um, I think a feminist would be terrible in bed. And that's when I created, <laughs> a, a, I wrote a whole sketch about it, about like what turns feminists, I forget what it's called, how to turn on a feminist. Because I was like, this I've tweet merits a awesome. Yeah, Because I, I was like, but that that's unfortunate that just politics in the bedroom, it does, I mean, so I agree with you, you should examine you should examine everything. But I also feel like the bedroom should be a place where you, as long as there's consent, you could be absolutely horrible. Totally. I have yet to yeah. do should it. Be. I just, it's on my to-do list. Yep. I've yet to do this. Emma, thing. Yeah. be horrible. I, yeah. I'm going to, I, I have to work up to it, <laughs> but yes. Gotcha. Maybe next time we have me on, I'll be into pony play. Who knows? Maybe I'll go <laughs> zoological route. I want to hear know. everything you nice. have to say. Come back. Come back. Um, okay. So I will be quick with my last one. Um, I am late to the party here, but I want to endorse the film The Sessions with Helen Hunt. Okay. Um, I thought you were going to say pagers. I just pagers. I just yes. very late to the pagers. party. Everybody, go out and get a pager. You're not just not. for finding out if you have a heart that's ready for donation. Um, so this movie, for those who don't know, is um, is about is based on the true story of Mark O'Brien, who is paralyzed due to polio. Only had only three working muscles in his body. Lived in like this machine that was like an iron lung. Like could only move his head a little bit and a little bit his right foot. And he's also he has a PhD and was like a very um, uh, prolific and wonderful journalist and poet. Um, so one, we need to talk about sex with disability more. That's just a thing culturally that we need to do. But this film, so first and foremost, why I love this film is that as the person who's very dear to me, who I watched it with, uh, really, uh, beautifully observed everyone in the film, not just Marco, the person playing Mark O'Brien, but like the person even who has like a 30 second cameo pushing him in his structure down the street or everybody in the film is a full-fledged human being and that is so hard to do and so um so yes i would call it like a sex positive film but a lot of people think of like sex positive as like go have all the sex all the time which like that's i think that like um for individuals who are asexual like rocking that as like identity and like that's what works for me like i that that is a total sex positive way to be with like even sex isn't on the agenda but it's coming from a, a place of wholeness and so um, I, I think of this definition of sex positive as like, just like sex without this stigma or with, without the shame around it, but just like in all of its like messy humanity. And this film just does it like better than anyone and uh, better than anything I've seen. And so, um, it's this, this, so this, this, um, this person living with this serious disability who in his late thirties seeks out a sex surrogate and works with the sex therapist pa played by Helen Hunt. And it's just so good on so many levels. Again, in engaging with, with sex with disability, engage, talking about sex work in, in, uh, in a wonderful way. Like Helen Hunt is, plays the character who, um, she's a sex therapist and, and Mark O'Brien is asking, well, what's the difference between you and a prostitute? And like feeling kind of uncomfortable with that. And, and she says, well, um, a prostitute wants your return business where I will only do six sessions. And my thing is to kind of like, bring you to a point of healing and like that's just such a beautiful way like without shaming sex work but just to say yep that that's a business and this is like a healing and and i know there can be gradations in between that too but i just love i just it just portrays so much of that stuff that's so tough to talk about in just a full-on like in all the gorgeousness and messiness of like real humans 
And the only thing it leaves out, it's based on this article called My Time with a... I, I, I need to relook up the title of it, My Time with a Sex Surrogate by Mark O'Brien. Um, and Mark O'Brien was also bisexual, with them, which the movie leaves out, um, which I think for a film that's so progressive in many ways, why leave that out? Well, let's not go too crazy here. I know. Come on. Well, it might have been a time limit thing. But, and, As a writer, sure, I feel like and, I have and, to bring that up. And the movie, it, it, you know, it was super mainstream. And so they did... It does... It, it starts off very understated, which I love. And then it gets a little like sentimental in ways that aren't true to the story in mm -hmm. ways that I didn't totally appreciate. But just overall, I think that it's just one of the best things that I've seen. That's like a very mainstream cultural thing that is like truly sex positive in the very deep sense of the word. And I highly recommend it. And I would love to talk about it with anybody who wow. has seen it or does see it. Right on. Bonus round. Cross-examination. <laughs> wow. Wow. Your best yet. Whoa, whoa, we're at the club. Okay. <laughs> we're going to do a lightning round, but we decided we'd rather go deeper. And with I, br some of the I stuff brought back the sound effects. I'm just like, yeah. no, you screw I noticed. Go and go. I, I, I did notice that. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's, like, it's like I'm at the tunnel in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you guys want to go deeper? We... We flagged the whole like when do you listen versus when do you call out thing. Yeah, I'm interested in that because I like I Me know too. what I said was contentious in the sense that like you know I want to intervene and I sometimes do on like the six train and like the one train or whatever train I'm riding. Mm. But then other times I'm like, wait, what's my place? And it's it's just it, I just I don't know what's right. I have this question too, and part of my question is, and, and I've sort of started asking this, which is that I, I've I've I totally trust and believe that that my female bodied friends are harassed all the time because yeah. they tell me that it's true and i rarely see it because if i'm there it doesn't happen which is so right? fascinating I, so, so but my question is i have on occasion seen seen it and as a like cis straight white dude uh, trying to approach things from a from a place of like a wider social justice framework which is that does my responsibility to call out misogyny where i see it trump my intense desire to not be a white dude telling non-white dudes how to act whoa oh that's loaded you know well, what i mean I, 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 I'm, I'm gonna, it's loaded There's i want to simplify there. i want to simplify yeah. as your fan and your friend yeah. i don't really want you to be in an altercation and i know that sounds like a real buzzkill because i certainly want you to do the right thing but I don't want you to get hurt doing it. Right. And that's sort of where I come. I mean, I love what you're doing out your window. But when someone has a gun at some point, I'm going to think, oh, I really wish I hadn't encouraged him. So. Right. But like, yeah, but but but, but I agree. But like, but like part of it is if there was somebody that I perceived as white, I'd be totally comfortable calling them out for misogyny. Mm. If somebody I don't perceive as white, I'd be hard. Yeah, it would be a harder choice because too. then there's another social justice thing. Mm. And I've seen it happen from because. Because just in general, men are terrible. I have seen it when I have seen it happen across every sort of uh, every sort of measure you can have. Right. When that the that intersectionality element where like there there are race and class dynamics and all of this as well too, and it just makes it so huge. Like I I really struggle with when to. I think of like listening as like a sort of moral code, mm. but that has friction against like when, when am I like, when are the times when I'm like really certain that I am right? Like we mm. cannot stand for this. Mm. This must be called out. Yeah. So, so there's that, but then there's also like 
efficacy, like what works, like what's gonna, so I, I do like respond positively to you calling out the window. I actually think like that, that just feels, throws, it throws yeah. an absurdity, it, even if yeah. like their minds aren't changed, it throws an absurdity right. into the moment that, that feels really valuable. Like it's mm. going to shake things up. Totally. Also cost benefit analysis. But, You're far enough away. Yeah, totally. that's, that's, I always right. think Part about that. It. But, I but that. I also think like what is going to invite someone into thinking more deeply rather than just feeling defensive or rather than, um, than just totally shutting down. Mm. And I think like sometimes it's okay to ask people to like be defensive or totally shut down. Like there are things, I don't know what they are. I don't always know that I'm right about them that are like just that atrocious. Like this just needs to stop. Nobody needs to like understand it or like talk Mm. about their feelings. Like this just needs to stop. So I'm not saying that that never happens. I just say I really struggle where that line is. And I often want to encourage the world to push that line a little farther out Mm. that when, you know, to think about like deescalation and inviting Mm. people into like Mm. really consider deeply what's going on rather than just saying you're an asshole go away because mm. you're an asshole go away mm. means that defense are going to go up probably going to be an asshole next time mm. like mm. whereas like what are the things and i guess this is the thing where I, like really yeah. try i care about this more than anything in life and mm. i feel like i stumble at it all the time and i don't know what i'm doing like in terms of like i i, I like to think about like when how can there be like really deep and powerful invitations yeah. to like to wider thinking about something yeah. that like yeah. that, that used to be like invisible, be it uh, race privilege, class privilege, misogyny, any of this stuff. And so, yeah, I guess that's why I brought up when I brought up the Mark Driscoll thing, like that's an honest question that like, I'm just mm-hmm. thinking about a lot. Like it's easy to write Mark Driscoll off and just mm-hmm. be like, Oh Christ, what an asshole. Like, and there's a level of that. That's really true. Like mm-hmm. I want right. to call that out, but yeah. then it's like, ah, like what, if anything would like really like mm-hmm. resonate with Mark Driscoll in a way that like he would, I guess see the error of his ways, but that portrays yeah. it like I'm coming from a place that I'm thinking, oh, I'm capital R right, which that's right. tricky oh, too. We, you but, may not be well, capital R right, but he's capital W wrong. Let's be sure, clear about but that. He's yeah. also provided a valuable service by being honest from within his own brain. He's allowed you to then have this whole epiphany or whatever you're in the middle of. So, I mean, he's, he's done a service in that way. And that's sort of, to me, that's part of the listening thing is like people, people who speak honestly are, whether they're saying things you like or not, are doing you a service. So even if he's done, said a thing Whoa. that you want to totally write huh. off, his saying a thing that you want to totally write off leads you to the next podcast or thing that you write that furthers your work. I think that's part of what I was responding to that. I think a lot of people think the things that Mark Driscoll right. wrote but he said it. He's a little bit of a hero then, even if <laughs> he's an asshole, because he's doing the thing that, I mean, people being totally quiet, they're not moving anybody forward. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that people who are misogynistic and racist and all the things are great, but they do take you forward if you then come up with, if you're in impa- I mean, that tweet I got made me make a thing. The world has mm. not changed. But if that tweet hadn't happened, that person had been uh, quiet, that's not good I either. think of that when conducting and music directing and leading music rehearsals, I often <laughs> say, like, right. if you don't know the right note, sing so loud. Exactly. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> like, if you're going to make a mistake, make a bold mistake. Because mm. if you're mm. if you're singing quietly and we can't catch it, then when are we going to fix it? Like, right. When are we, when Sectionals. Are we gonna, you're exactly <laughs> oh, man. Comes up in improv, too. If you have two different ideas, two people come out they each do their scene they do what they think the scene is and what the scene actually is is the middle point between the two Mm. you don't want to have two people come out and decide oh just one of us is right Mm. that's where the comedy Uh, comes from is those the the counterpoint mm. of those two different ideas Mm. david mcgee if you're talking about difficult things (laughs) such as whether or not women are penis homes i feel like maybe (laughs) maybe error on the side of of humility (laughs) i don't know of saying like 
I have a question in my mind about whether or not women are penis homes. Maybe I should talk to some women about it <laughs> or like yeah. think about it for a, a goddamn second before, mm. before, before saying like, I totally hear where you're coming from and how we can make positive. I know I'm just so po- I'm my like, way of dealing with the world is just such incessant optimism that when I mm. hear something and I think, I do think that not to like, but I think because I grew up with gay moms and I did mm. a lot of ambassadorship early on, it is actually, I have a block where I hear things that are terrible and I turn them into learning opportunity I mean, it sounds like right. self-aggrandizing that's probably a good no, idea no it's not i mean you're right you're saying is right but my, uh, i can't do it like i can't hear that and get angry it doesn't work for me mm. I, something uh, blocks me I can't that's do great it. i i think I, i'm really glad that you share your perspective because it highlights for me the it's a struggle that i have because i feel like in so much of my work like certainly in this recording i'm swearing and whatnot but in so much of my work in my life i've i look at like sort of i value diplomacy and and being thoughtful and letting people speak and sort of and avoiding conflict and violence and all that sort of thing. But then other times I just get, you know, like so enraged and I just don't know sort of what else to do. Like this was the year it was like it, it was literally January 1st that sort of was that sparked all of this. I was walking down the street, like literally a half a block from my house. And this guy yells something at this woman. Like, and she had already passed, and so I was right in front of him when he said it. And so it was, like, right in my ear. And and I just stopped, and I was like, it's a new year. I'm not fucking dealing with this shit. <laughs> so I just looked at him, like, right in the face, and I completely just stopped on 6th Avenue, like, silent. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And that's what I said. And he's that's like, Poppy, awesome. I'm not calling out to you. Don't worry about it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, that's not right. And I just stood there and I didn't move mm. until he moved. And that was and that. was that. And it was really uncomfortable. Um, you're, a, you're a hero. You I was that? pissed off. I'm like, I'm, you know, I know what it's like to experience like, you know, street violence and harassment, like from a different perspective. And I just felt like, no, this is the year that I'm like, I'm over it. So you're combining, though, calling out with inviting into conversation in a way that I really love. That's an energetic That's, thing. I mean, you've honed that yeah. skill because you do this whole free advice thing. I mean, you do this and you give out that energy. I would argue that Stephanie and I can't do that too. So that's like a privilege that you have, which is great and you should yeah. use it. But we, I mean, we can't, I mean, you would never do what he's describing, right? I mean, I might, Oh, in a div- I might, um, but I, but I don't know. That's what I'm, I have a lot of questions about yeah. this is what I, yeah. Mm. And what's like, and what's, I mean, when you think about efficacy and what's right, I mean, I think for like a Fred Phelps, yeah, what's always right like and what will that. work are yeah. sometimes right. two different questions. And then also sometimes like, how do you sort of just manage, there's, there's a lot of things to manage, like, you know, and there's, there's maybe not always a right answer for some of this stuff. I mean, I know why, like, you know, when Fred Phelps had the God hates fags, uh, um, you know, signs at, you know, funerals and whatever, like eventually like our tactic was to just not engage him at all because there was so much sort of, um, you know, making awareness to the fact that, you know, this wasn't right. But like for the individual who's maybe saying it and he hasn't been called out or he hasn't been called out by somebody of a different gender, for example, that's why I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to shed a different light on this. Uh-huh. I'm still angry. Like, think and, about it. I'm and my enraged. favorite response to Fred Phelps is like the, those who show up at, uh, pride parades like dressed as yeah. Jesus yeah. being like and, yeah. or like as Mary and being like God loves my son <laughs> yeah. like and or like God lo- or the God lo- I'm getting that wrong what did Stephanie Douglas do son loves my God I just tripped over tripped over what I was saying uh, calling people out in a playful way mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. can be and, and yeah. I've seen right. this done with Fred Phelps but I need to look up the way that this was done and well, it's humor not the is way magical that for that kind of thing that's the yeah. best way I had a roommate in college freshman year who was Catholic and we fought a lot about abortion mm-hmm. and that was the most valuable 
thing. I mean, I'm so glad she was put in my life and now we're best friends and we still don't mm. agree. Jokes are the best. Right. <laughs> we, I, we didn't make jokes. We just, she cried a lot and we fought. But, but in the end, I made her laugh other times. So it was sort of one out. Um, but you're listening. It was good. It was good that we didn't agree. Uh, I valued it. I still value it. Listeners, this is sticky uh, territory. Please, please let us know. As what quickies you think. often are. Yes. <laughs> as quickies <laughs> often are. About this, about anything and everything we love hearing from you. Send us your thoughts, questions, objections, ideas at any time. I love you. Yes, particularly you listening to this right now. <laughs> Hello and welcome, Charlie Williams. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yay! And uh, Charlie is the founder and developer of the Cuddler app. Um, Charlie, will you give a short description of it just in case people aren't already aware of it? Yeah, sure. So Cuddler is a new app for when you just want a hug or a cuddle. Um, it is, you know, a bit like Tinder or Grindr, um, which I'm sure I don't have to explain, um, but it is not a dating app. It is for when you want some physical intimacy without it, without any pressure for it to be sexual or for it to be kind of a date that you have to, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes with dates. Uh, and, and so the idea is that it connects people near you or connects you with somebody near you um, for a sort of spontaneous um, platonic a uh, bit of bit of nice physicality, and then you go your separate ways, <laughs> which I think is so cool. And also, I just want to brag right now that, like, I know Charlie from way back. <laughs> we do, we do <laughs> I go met way Charlie back. When I was like sixteen or seventeen. Um, that was a long time ago, like 15 or 16 years ago. And um, we worked together at the Ravinia Festival in Chicago. Um, and then Charlie was the pianist for my senior recital in high school. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> we stayed in touch and been great friends. And I've just long been such a fan of you and your brain, Charlie, and, and all of your and, ideas. Yeah, and it's so and cool likewise. to see this, um, to see then, then this idea get really huge and um that you are have created and also been handed megaphones to talk about um about intimacy and how we look at and talk about intimacy and i'm i'm so excited for you and proud to know you yeah, well ever. well thank you that's really flattering and it, i mean and it has been that's been a really kind of unexpected part of this is that it got huge sort of right away when we put it out and um that was kind of like the good part is that I'm getting to have this conversation like we're having um, with lots and lots of people and hopefully we'll get to continue having it about what does it mean to be close to people? What does intimacy mean? How does that fit into our lives? How does, you know, a lot of people mm -hmm. have never considered the idea that you could be in a relationship and have a cuddle with someone else that that is, you know, so those sorts of conversations are really great to be able to have. Um, yeah. The other side of it is that um, I, as I've, uh, as, as I sort of said to you when we were chatting, um, we kind of thought I imagined releasing it and getting like maybe 10 downloads and then maybe like 15 the next week and having to work really hard to get people to hear about it. And so having suddenly having so many people download it, um, has been, um, it's a great challenge, but it means that like when there's a bug in the app, I don't get an email or 10 emails. I get hundreds of emails saying, Hey, this mm. thing doesn't work. And, um, so it's been exciting, but also, uh, 
just really intense. Um, you know, get it because people are asking for all sorts of things, uh, many of which, I mean, a few of which are insane, but most of which are really good things. Uh, uh-huh. And, um, and yeah, just trying to get them all in as quickly as possible. Uh-huh. And I think, I mean, it's just clear that you've tapped into something that people are really hungry for. It, it does and seem I've like seen... it's, yeah, it's like touched a cultural nerve. Yeah. And I've seen you get a lot of really positive press. And then I know there are some who object too. like we were just talking about Mm -hmm. how Dan Savage said um, only um, no sane person would want to cuddle with a stranger, which my reaction to that is like, I'm a sane person and I would love to cuddle with a stranger. (laughs) But um, what would you like if you were given the opportunity to like directly talk to Dan Savage about that or address that? what would you say to somebody who, who believes that? First of all, I would say, I love you, Dan. Um, (laughs) you have helped everybody, uh, so much. I really think Dan Savage is one of the people doing the most good in the world. Um, that said, I do too. I get the critiques of him, not of him. Uh, there are ways in which his politics are not as queer or radical as, as some of the politics that I agree with, but yeah, um, I mean, but in terms of like when you take his his positions times his influence or whatever mm-hmm. however that equation works like i'm yeah i'm i'm very i'm very pro him yeah not, you, you know he's not perfect we disagree on things obviously like cuddling strangers uh <laughs> but <laughs> but so so anyway so yeah no if i were talking to him i think um there does seem to be this kind of knee jerk reaction that I think comes from the fact that we don't have a cultural place for cuddling, that it's even what it means isn't clear. People are like, oh, is it? I mean, some of the critique, uh, somebody wrote a a really stupid blog post that was like, cuddler will never work because of boners. Um, And it was like, the whole thing was written from the position of like, what a cuddle is, is a man being the big spoon and a woman being the small spoon lying down in a bed. And it's like, well, no, you know, it's like, obviously if it's like, if you've just met somebody and you go do that. And then like, if the man gets an erection, it's going to be awkward. Yes, that would be awkward. That's why you don't do that. Like you can, like, if you decide infinite possibilities, yeah, if you decide to do that cuddle, great. And hopefully at that point, it's okay. If something like that happened, like if you've just met a person, have like a, you know, let's lean against this building and do a side hug. Like that's a cuddle or like, let's sit on this park bench and like put our arms around each other. That's a cuddle or it's a uh-huh. nice day. Let's lie down in this park with like, mm-hmm. you know what? I mean, there's loads and loads of like ways to kind of keep your personal space bubble and still enjoy um, that sort of physical presence with somebody. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I think similarly. Um, so, so I, I think that's, that's probably part of what, um, you know, what Dan's freaking out about and what, um, a lot of the people online are freaking out about. Uh, another thing, because that I think comes from this, this idea that we don't have, we have a sort of social script for dating with like what that means. And you can depart from that Mm -hmm. script for, you know, to various degrees. We don't have any sort of social script for cuddling with somebody. Uh, and I think part of that for cuddling with strangers, uh, and, like nobody says Tinder is an app for going on dates with strangers. It's just an app for uh-huh. going on dates. And like, obviously they're strangers or you would just ask uh-huh. them out. Like there's, you know, so like, ev- like not every headline, but loads of the headlines have been like, cuddler will match you with a random stranger to cuddle. And like, 
First of all, it doesn't just pick somebody. You pick them. Second of all, you Uh do not give consent for anything by accepting a cuddle request. It means you're saying you'd like to meet up. um, And then, you know, you should have a talk about what you'd like from the cuddle. You could, somebody could say, I only want to be the big spoon lying down. And you could be like, I only want to stand up and also be the big spoon, whatever, like, or sit next to you on a park bench. Yeah, th- there could yeah. be some sort of incompatibility where, like, well, I guess that's not going to work. Um, bye. Or just it's... any, like, any. There's any number of things that could happen, and you are in control. The app is not a giant robotic arm that smushes yeah. people together. And it's so wild that that touches a nerve more than an app for hookups does. Mm, and mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm a fan of when everything is consensual and celebratory, casual hookups. Awesome. But, um, so I don't mean to be down on that, but it just, the idea that, that cuddling is so incendiary. Yeah. Um, to, to me, I think means that what you're doing is really important. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm pro positive hookup. Like when that's what you want to be doing. Awesome. But I do think that it is more intimate to take off all your clothes and be inside a private space like a building with somebody even if you're not having sex but especially if you're having sex i think it's that's more intimate than like having a hug and loads of people online have said the opposite they're like no if you just like randomly have sex with somebody that's less intimate than a cuddle huh and and i could i could see it going both ways yeah i mean i don't want to like deny their experience or opinion like obviously you feel the way you feel but i think like I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that. I think they're taking their idea of like a post-coital cuddle, which can be exceptionally intimate, and saying, oh, it has to be that. Um, Well, I think it also speaks to, I'm just so passionate about even like in friendships, sometimes it can feel like if we're physically affectionate, then therefore we are hitting on each other, Mm -hmm. which I totally don't think... That that's definitely not always the case, but um, I'm so passionate about like if we're there for even friends emotionally and we can listen and have give and take, then like why would it be weird to like give you a massage? That doesn't mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. to mean that it's leading toward being sexy together. Yeah, yeah. A thing that I've and I like shaking up that conversation. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A thing that I've said um, in a couple of a couple of other interviews. You can cut that part out. Uh, <laughs> Um, we love that you're popular Charlie (laughs) Um, historically like having that kind of like cuddle touch has meant either I want to sleep with you or I am already sleeping with you Um, and I think that Mm -hmm. is a thing that we are ready to move past as a culture um, as we're sort of you know deciding what our relationships mean more consciously and we're talking um, American culture I'm, I guess I mean like Western culture. I mean the, mm. the sort of our culture where if you're like a, you know, if you're a British person listening to this, you're like, uh-huh. And if you're like a French person, you're like, you guys are a bit hung up on this monogamy thing, but uh-huh. And if you're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know enough about sex around the world to know sort of who I'm including in this we. Um, I, I'm assuming mm. that there are cultures in which this kind of physical intimacy works very differently. Um, but I'm not going to not going to claim that I'm the, the, the sort of, you know, I lived in America for most of my life. It's like that there. I live in Britain now. It's like that here. I'm assuming it's like that in Canada and Australia and, you know, probably most of Europe. Um, so that's, that's the sort of culture that I'm talking about yeah, to, yeah. to, to, you know, greater and lesser degrees. 
Oh, so unfortunately we need to wrap up pretty soon. But before we do, um, is there anything else that you're burning to share? Um, and also, will you please just let us know where we can learn everything about Cuddler? Sure. Yeah. Um, Cuddler, it's on the app store for you know, iPhones. Um, if you just search for Cuddler, C-U-D-D-L-R, uh, it'll, it'll come up. Thankfully, not a lot with that name. Um, also, cuddlerapp.com is the uh, the website for the app. If you're on Android, uh, you can sign up there to hear when Android comes out. Uh, I've, I'm getting a lot of when is it coming out on Android. Eventually, I don't know how to write for Android yet, but we're going to figure it out. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's there. There's a piece on medium.com that talks about the philosophy behind the app that's, uh, that's linked from the website, I hope. Um, <clears throat> it will be if it's not. And, um, and, and the only final thing that I would say, uh, if you love the idea of this app and you want to try it out, uh, it's very new. There are still many, many features that we're wanting to add. So be in touch about what you'd like to see in the app. And if the app does behave a little bit weirdly, please be patient. Um, I'm, I'm working very hard on making it awesome as quickly as possible. Mm. Thank you so much, my friend, for joining us and for doing Thank what you, you do. so much for having me. Take care. That's it for episode 20. Thanks again so much to Emma Tattenbaum-Fine and Francisco Ramirez for joining us. Thanks to all of you for bearing with me, like saying like, like a totally unreasonable amount of times this past episode. And please keep me accountable to not do that in the future. Um, but moreover, and very seriously from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for being in conversation with us. And if you dig what we do, and if you're not already our patron, we ask that you seriously consider going to patreon.com slash sex for smart people. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash sex for smart people. And there you'll find how to pledge 25 cents or a dollar or $2 or $5 per episode or whatever is doable for you. Um, we actually are still paying out of pocket, but we are almost breaking even per episode and we would love your help to get us there. We really can't do this without the support of our community and we're so grateful to those of you who are our patrons already. And so um, if that's doable for you, we really, really appreciate it. And uh, if not, of course, no worries. And we are excited to remain in conversation with you and thanks for telling your friends about us. And uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and all of the places. And um, um, another thing that we'd like to ask for your help with is um, we're just so committed to to continuing to grow and to learn and to make this thing better in accordance with what we hear from you. And so by November 1st, if you get a chance, go to our website and find the survey on our blog. Um, take you less than five minutes and uh, we would really love to hear from you. We want to hear from you at any time about everything, but um, specifically in this formal way will really help us as we shape where we go from here. And speaking of where we go from here on our next episode, I'm thrilled that we'll have Miri Mogilevsky with us. She is a brilliant writer and blogger. She writes about all kinds of things ranging from social justice, uh, psychology, mental health, gender and sexuality. And I personally just am kind of a super fan of her writing and I'm kind of giddy that, that we get to have a long uh, dialogue with Miri. And so I think it's going to be a great one and we look forward to seeing you next time on Sex for Smart People. 
consensual power play is the sexiest. Um, to the person listening to this podcast who looks in the mirror and thinks, uh, am I sometimes sexy? Uh, I don't know. I kind of have body issues. My body's kind of weird. You are the sexiest. Mm. Mm. Um, talking about it first, but then being totally degraded later is the sexiest. Lexi Alexander is the sexiest. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> 